Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, church family. Good to be in God's house with God's people. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, Three weeks ago, we started our fall series that we have been calling Feast of Faith, Your Appetite, God's Word. Uh, And in light of the season that we're in, that we tend to eat and eat and eat, I saw a meme that said, don't forget to set your scales back 15 pounds by Wednesday. Well, in this series, I'm asking you guys, I asked you guys to pick the topics And last week we talked about being a witness, a noun, as opposed to witnessing, a verb. And I suggested that God called us to be his witnesses in this world and all of of what that entails. Um, I kind of want to pick up where we ended off with this suggested topic from one of you. This is what it said. Can Can we put that up there? Do we have it? There we go. It says, why when people hear the word of God, they turn away and not follow the word of God, but follow the world? Why are people hearing the word and basically they're turning away? And last week we heard that kind of echoed in what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. He said, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can. Help me out, somebody. To save some. To save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in in its blessings. So he didn't say he does everything he can to save all. Um, I'm sure that's his heart, but he also is a realist. He says, I do everything I can so that I might save some. Now, Jesus answered that question as to why they will turn away, why they would hear the gospel and turn away in a parable that he told in the Bible. When Jesus walked the earth, he taught and he taught using parables. Uh, and we know a parable in its most basic form is a, is a story, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning designed to impact the way we think and the way we live. And so Jesus told stories because the story is how we are wired to learn and to retain things. Uh, As a young adult Christian, I remember that I had trouble just remembering just the Ten Commandments until somebody taught it to me in a story form. And so, and now I can remember frontwards and backwards, and some of you have taught the same thing. You can learn it 20 minutes or less, you know all Ten Commandments, whatever I say, three or seven or six, or, you'll know it because we painted a word picture in your head. And Amanda, my or Dr. Torres, she went ahead and taught the students that in our school. Even as preachers, we know that people will long forget our lectures, but if you tell them a story to illustrate, then that has a lasting impression. My pastor used to tell a story about an old yellow dog that was... Uh, left on the, the, the dump heap on, on outside the city uh, walls on, on uh, you know how the, the dump heap, the, the, the trash thing, 
And then he turned around and says, and that's how some of you feel. You feel like that whole yellow dog. And man, half the place would be crying by the time he was done with his little old yellow dog story. I told a story many years ago about how I came home one day and found a dead squirrel in my front yard. Left there by a hunter-gatherer cat at the time, Bagheera. Are you anyone familiar with that name, Bagheera? Wow, you guys awake? Did you, did, you, did you eat too much turkey already? You didn't even eat yet. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to a really quiet group. And so, yeah, from the Jungle Book. But my wife and my kids at the time were, uh, were grossed out because you know, and they weren't going to deal with a dead squirrel. My, uh, and my wife said to me, honey, please, please bury that squirrel. And I said, well, many husbands say, yes, dear. And then I went about my day. Next day, that squirrel was still sitting on our front lawn, and as I, left, as I left for work, my wife called out, Honey, please get rid of that squirrel. And I said, Yes, dear. But I was late to work, and so I went to work, and when I got home, it was too late, and I walked home and went, to be- went inside went to bed. Next day was day three. Same routine, went to work. But by the time I got home, I, and I opened the car door. When I opened that car door, that, that squirrel was sitting in that sun for three days baking and decomposing. When I got out of my car, I was hit with the smell of putrid, rotten flesh permeating the air all around the front of my house. I thought to myself, how could something so small smell so bad? And now, by the time my wife got was home, she was less than happy because I had let it sit there too long, and now we all got to suffer. So you know what I did? I found a shovel, held my breath. That wasn't working so I prayed through my mouth, dug a hole, and buried that squirrel. And after a while, the smell eventually went away. And then I told the church that story. I said, folks, oftentimes that squirrel represents our lives. We, we allow things that should be dead and buried to linger and fester. And it becomes bitter in our lives and forgiveness, pride. Anger. We know what the word says about lust and disobedience and disrespect for one another. We allow those things to, to stay in our lives. And then the Holy Spirit is like that still small voice or like the, like the voice of my wife gently saying, you better deal with that thing. Please, please let go of it or please take care of it. And you're just saying, yes, I know. Yes, I know. I'll do it. Don't worry. And you keep walking by it, not dealing with it or worse, acting like it. you don't see it or it's not there. And before you know it, the dead squirrels in your life are stinking up every area of your life. Come on, somebody. Turn to someone and say, bury those squirrels. Folks, the Lord wants us to deal with those squirrels. And and, and that's a modern-day parable from my own life experience with a heavenly application. And to this day... People who heard that message some 20 years ago, they keep repeating it back to me. Pastor Rick, I remember the dead squirrel story because a picture paints a thousand words. And so Jesus was doing this all the time when he preached and he taught and he would go into a story. And the moment he would start telling the story, the people's ears would pick up. And we know all the stories, the story about the good Samaritan, the prodigal son, the lost sheep, the ten virgins, the story of the great banquet feast that God has prepared for all those who would come and surrender their lives to him. And all designed and uniquely crafted by Christ to impact our lives with 
a heavenly application. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who do not listen, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. But blessed are your eyes, because they see in your ears, because they hear. And so we've all experienced that at some level in our lives when you're talking to someone, but you know they're not listening. Where my man at? You know what we're talking about, right? Husbands, <laughs> are you listening? Did you hear what I say? We got this instant recall. Yeah, you can record what they said because in the back of your mind, you, you barely heard it, but you really weren't listening. You, you know what I'm talking about. I, I preached a few weeks ago and, and watched the guy on his phone for the entire message. He was sitting somewhere over there, probably playing games. I mean, every, he didn't even look up not one time. Every time I looked over there, he's playing this game. And at the end of the service, and you know how I usually go to the back door and I, I shake people's hand. He says, he says, Pastor Rick, that was a great message. And I knew he hadn't heard a word I said, and honestly, his life reflected it. It didn't even go in one ear and out the other. It just never went in. It's like the one I heard about the pastor who said, next week we'll be covering James chapter 7, verse 5 through 9. Read it ahead so we can discuss it. And the next Sunday he asked for a show of hands as to who read it, and more than half the congregation's hands went up. And then he introduced the subject. We're talking about lying today as James only goes to chapter 5. Hello. Now, a lot of Thanksgiving happening this week. I heard another story called After the Fall. It says, after the falling in Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, Adam was walking with his sons, Cain and Abel, and they passed by the ruins of the Garden of Eden. And one of the boys asked, what's that? And Adam replied, boys, that's where your mother ate us out of house and home. Just kidding. Let me get back on the message. Jesus told us about another garden in one of his parables. That's the story we're going to be looking at today. In fact, it was the parable that preceded his disciples asking him that very question. Why do you teach in parables? And this was the story that prompted his question and, and explains why people hear God's word and they walk away. And they walk away from his blessings and they walk away from his will from their lives. He, he tells us exactly why it happens. In Matthew chapter 13, he tells the story. He says, later that same day, Jesus left the house, and he sat beside the lake, and a large crowd soon gathered around him so that he got into a boat. And then he sat there, and he taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants, wit but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced 
a crop that was 30, 60, and 100 times as much as has been planted. And then he says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then he was asked the question about the parables, and, and Jesus basically answered, those who listen and want to know will know, and those who are stubborn and hard-headed, even hard-hearted, it won't matter if you attach the meaning to a brick and hit them right upside the head. They're not going to see it, and hearing they won't, they'll continue not to listen or comprehend, and God knows it because it's the same hard-headed, hard-hearted issues that we see happening in the world today. And so Jesus paints a picture of not one or two types of people in the world, but four types of people in this world. And he says three out of the four was prophesied about the prophet, by the prophet Isaiah. And we know Isaiah. Isaiah was the same prophet uh, who saw that Jesus was going to be walking this earth some 730 years before he came on the scene. And he said this in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. It's the same Isaiah that was quoted um, that the Ethiopian unit was reading from. This is uh, the previous verse or the next verse. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And with the stripes, we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who is Isaiah describing? Help me out, somebody. Jesus, but the, the, the cool thing or the remarkable thing is he's describing him some 730 years before Jesus came on the scene. And now Jesus is quoting him 730 years later in Matthew chapter 13, verse 14. It says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. And so in that moment, he reveals his heart. He's saying, yes, there's going to be people on this earth who hearing they won't hear, and seeing they won't see, and they won't understand because they've closed off he says, but he reveals his heart toward them. His heart toward them is so that they can be healed, so that they can have reconciliation with the God of this universe, so that they can know their God who knows them and loves them. And even to those who are willfully disobedient and ignorant, he wants them to come to him. And so he gives the explanation of, to those who would listen. And he says, listen, that's the first thing he says, listen to what I'm saying. As he's pulled out, I'm assuming it's the Sea of Galilee because he's by the lake, and he starts to teach. And he tells the story about four types of people in the world. And this is what he says in terms of the explanation because they wanted to know what it all meant. And in Matthew 13, he says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, and they don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. And so the first group that Jesus describes, I want to call, and you're on the field saying it's your first feeling. We're going to call them the Henrys or the Henrietters that have hard hearts. Henry or Henrietta the hard-hearted, okay? A.K.A. 
footpath people. Now, when you hear of a footpath, what does it remind you of? A footpath describes something that someone is constantly work, walking on, and so the ground becomes hard, or in this case, a hard heart. And he's saying that the seeds, are, when, when the farmer who's God throws the seed out, the seed just falls and it sits on the, on the hard path. And he calls the birds of the air, they come and they come and take it, and he tells us who the birds of the air are. The birds of the air are, he calls it, the devil. And it's not that they don't hear the message. They've heard it. they probably heard it many times. Back in the day, it, it would have been um, in my parents' day. We were talking with my kids the other day because the, uh, how many parents had a room that nobody was able to sit in? Come on. It's only my age and up because my age and down, they don't know what I'm talking about. But they had showrooms. <laughs> they had rooms that nobody was in, and the, and the, and the sofa was in plastic. My mom had one where she she here today, and she and she had, you know, the the carpet was perfectly, you know, you know done this with rows on it, and no one was allowed in that room. It's funny. Well, back in the day, they also had big family Bibles sitting on uh, one of the the tables, uh, and it was probably opened up to a, a scripture that nobody read back in those days, and it was collecting dust. All right. Now, today's version of a, of a footpath or a hard-hearted person, they don't have the family Bible, but they've also heard the gospel once or twice before they, because they have a family member who, who just won't shut up about it, but it doesn't affect them. They're pretty much completely unchurched. We're, we're going to see them. We see them during the C&E times. We're we C&E times, all right? Christmas and Easter times. We've got it coming up, all right, in which... The pastor or pastors all over this you know, community are going to passionately share the gospel with them. But because of the hardness of their heart, the easy pickings for the devil to come along and steal the seed that's planted. Besides, they got it all worked out apart from God. And so there's no need for God in their lives. Proverbs describes them this way in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but what does it do? It ends in death. Devil just comes along, there's no room in their heart, and takes the word from them. Matthew 13, verse 20, describes the second type. It says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. So there's a soil there, but right under the soil, it's rocks. It says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long, and they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And so to that group, we're going to call them the Shallow Howls or Haley's. Shallow Howls or Haley's, a.k.a. Rocky Soil people. And I call them the Shallow Howls because it reminded me of... Um, in 2001, there was a movie that came out called Shallow Howl with Jack Black um, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander is the little guy that, that, that was on Seinfeld. Well, Jack is having nothing but problems in the areas of relationships because he's only goes skim deep when looking for relationships. He's only looking for the outward appearance, and she has, has a certain look, blonde hair, blue eyes, 120 pounds, a certain measurement, and his relationships go down really quickly. And he gets trapped in an elevator with none other than the famous motivational speaker, Tony Robbins. 
shares his problem, and, and Tony puts a whammy on him so that now he can only see women according to their inner beauty and not just what's going on on the outside. And lo and behold, it works. And he falls in love with this plus-size woman because he doesn't just look at the outward beauty, he looks at her inner beauty. Well, the shallow soil people aren't much better than shallow Howl in the movie because their Christianity only runs skin deep with no real roots. And so when the sun comes up, i.e. problems or persecutions, that's what, the, that's what the sun represents, they get scorched. If they're challenged in any way because of the word or their walk, they can't be bothered. And so they wither, quickly wither, because they can't take the heat. They're here today and gone tomorrow, Christians. James describes them this way. In James chapter 1, verse 6, he says, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. He's talking about praying to God. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalties is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from God. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. So again, he says in the parable that they fall away as soon as they have problems or, or persecution for believing God's words. So, and so they're like, what do you mean I need to change my behavior in any significant way because the Bible says so? I can do whatever I want because God forgives. I heard someone tell me that recently. I, I, can, be, I can do whatever I want because I, I've got the get out of jail free card in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or I can't stand for that. What if they, what if they, what if they, what if they unfriend me? <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. And so again, they're here today and gone tomorrow. Shallow Howells and Henrietta's. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. He goes on to say, the seed that fell among the Thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Let me say that again. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life. That's, those are the thorns and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. And so we're going to call these people, we're going to call them busybody Bettys and Bobs. Busybody Bettys and Bobs, a.k.a. distracted people or fruitless Christians. Let's put it that way. Distracted people or fruitless Christians, i.e. people who are just so busy that they don't have time for God or they make time for other things, but God isn't very high on their list of priorities. My brother used to jokingly say that he knows where he falls in his list of priorities in his house. It's the dogs and kids, and somewhere down on the bottom is him in terms of priorities. Unfortunately, we do the same thing with God. We put our career out there and our work, and then I got to take care of school. Pastor Ruth, you know what I'm saying? School, someone just told me, I said, they're sending me, they're sending me uh, things during church. And I'm like, hey, aren't you supposed to be in church? Well, I got, I got people visiting, and so they're not here. So the, those are our priority over there. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Didn't we? 
And so, and so they've got cheerleading and Pilates and their kids and PTA and, of course, bowling and hunting and fishing and partying and whatever else I want to do. And somewhere down on the list, let me, let me I, I got God in there, and occasionally I come to church, and every now and then I read the Bible when the pastor puts the scripture on the screen, if it even makes my list. And God is like, hey, 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 can you pencil me in somewhere a little bit higher? Somewhere between your PTA meetings and your corporate outings or, or your yoga classes? Can I get a little bit higher than, than cheerleading practice for the kids, especially on a Sunday? Now, if you ask Busybody Betty or Bob if she loves God, of course she's going to say, yeah, I love God. Is he a priority in your life? Of course he's a priority. Okay, okay, show me, show me your day planner and or your checkbook, and I'll show you your real priorities. Did you hear what I said? Show me your day planner and or what you spend your money on, and I'll show you what your real priorities are. And let's stop kidding ourselves. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, Wherever your treasure is, Whatever you value, there the desires of your heart will be also. But Jesus countered that and said, what does it matter if you gain the whole world? If everything on your list is accomplished and end if you lose your soul, for what can you give in exchange for your soul? And lastly, he tells of the fourth type of person who would hear God's word, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, it says that seed, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produces a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so he describes this person, well, let's call them listening Larrys or Lauras. Listening Larrys or Lauras, a.k.a. Good soil people. And he describes them with two characteristics. He says they truly hear and they understand God's word. They truly hear and they understand God's word. So we're going to call them focused listeners. They're not just sitting there on their little you know, phones doing this while, while the word of the Lord is going out. They're actually paying attention to what he's saying and they're seeking to understand what's being said. In Acts chapter 17, it describes a group of people just like that as Paul and Silas was going about preaching the gospel in, in, in their time in the, in, the, in the Berean area. It says in verse 10 that that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. And when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. And what's he talking about? He was just in Thessalonica, and as he preached the gospel, many of them tried to you know, run him out of town and to, and to, and, and to abuse them because they, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. Matter of fact, I think this is the town they formed the riot because he's preaching against the, the gods, the liturgies that they were worshiping. But he said the, the people in Berea they were more noble-minded or open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Now watch this. They listened to what he said, 
And then they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas was teaching the truth. Folks, do not check your brains at the door, especially in the environment that we're in today. Jesus said in the last days a great deception is coming on the land. And unless you know what it says in the context of what the Bible says, you might fall to the deceptions because it's going to sound right. The Bible says when the angel shows up, he doesn't come looking like the devil. I mean, when the, when the devil shows up, he doesn't come looking like the devil. He comes looking like an angel of light, something good. He's not that stupid to come looking like who he is. So it's going to look good and it's going to sound good. And unless you know what the word of God says, you're going to be sucked right into foolishness. And there's people falling into foolishness to the millions and the billions on this planet. They listened to what he said because they never heard it before. And then they went to the scriptures to see if what he was saying was true. Oh, you're saying Isaiah said that? Oh, we got the Isaiah scriptures. Let's check out what the prophet says. Oh, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, by his wounds, by his, by his whippings, he, we were healed. What just happened to Jesus? Where'd you say he would be born? Let me check the scriptures. He would be born in Bethlehem and he'd come out of Nazareth. How would he be crucified? What kind of life would he live? gambling for his clothes, they went back and checked the scriptures. Active listeners. Focused listeners, and they sought to understand what he had to say. They searched the scriptures day, day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth, and as a result, many Jews believed as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. And so when we take God seriously and his word and we become like listening Larry's or Laura's, someone who is focused and truly seeking to understand the will of the Father, the Bible says the end result of what's going to take place in your life and my life is a harvest a harvest of blessings. The Bible says some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold blessings coming back into your lives. Anybody interested in having a blessed life? Come on, somebody. And blessed results. Now, take note of why Paul said, so that he might save some. Because the reality is this. Listen to me. Only one out of four who heard the word of God received the blessing. Only one out of four received the blessing. Some fell on, on a hard path, and the devil came along and picked it up right away. Some fell on, uh, on, on shallow ground, soil, and they had no deep roots. So when the pressure came, they withered. Some fell in, into thorns, and, and because of the cares of this world, it, it, it bore no fruit. And only one fell on good soil. And bore 30, 60, 100 fold. My question to you this morning is simply this. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you Henry or Henrietta the hard-hearted, no room for Jesus, and you don't even care? 
Are you shallow, how, or Haley, no deep roots? You fly by the night, you're here today, and you're going tomorrow. Are you busy, body, Betty's, or Bob, so caught up in your schedule that, ju- that you, you just have no time, and, it's just, and, and, and the world is just crowding out the, what God is trying to do? Or are you the last one, listening Larry's or Laura's? So put your name in there, who focus on what God is saying, and you seek to actively understand what he's saying and you apply it to your life. Which one are you? Which one do you want to be? And we all should be saying we want to have the blessings of God to flow through our lives and to be active listeners. We want to produce something, some 30, 60, 100 fold The reasons why people hear God's word and walk away are outlined in the scriptures. Hard hearts, distractions, shallow soil. But to the ones who hear it and allow it to plant in a heart that receives, he says, for I know the plans I have for you. Now, here's the thing. God's heart toward all of them was to bring healing and to bring them into right relationship with him. Now, Jesus is telling this story, and he's saying this is what happens when the gospel goes out. Three out of four fall on bad soil, and only one group actually receives And Paul turned around and he says, I do everything I can to to the weak I become weak, to the strong I become strong. I do all this so that I might win some. And he's he's under no illusions. Then that tells me every person we tell the gospel to are not going to receive the gospel. Come on, somebody. And it's okay. Because our job is simply to be a witness, and to tell the story. And then let, let, let God deal with what happens to the seed. Because it says one plants and now the waters and God gives the increase. But do your planting <laughs> and do your watering and trust that God will at some point bring an increase. But if you want to see the blessings of God in your life, it starts with you and I allowing the seed of God's word to come past the hard-headedness and hard-heartedness of what's going on around us to offer him not just a shallow uh, experience or to look at our lives and say, You know, I've got this going on, got this going on, got this going on. You're too distracted. You've heard me say this before. If you're too busy for God, you're just too busy. If we cannot take him from down here and put him up here, you are just too busy. What kind of heart are you giving God today? And I want to suggest to you, give him the heart that receives.
so that you can see the blessings in your life. And I, I always look at it as a, as a personal, even a selfish thing. If you have no one else to do it for, do it for yourself. Do it so you can receive his blessings. I listened to the story of King David or before he became a king and he was a boy and he goes out to give his brothers the food and the giants out there on the land and, and um, taunting the people of Israel, saying, come out, send somebody out. And all the children of Israel on the side and they're scared. And, he's, and the king had put out an edict as to if anyone's willing to take on this giant, he's going to get X, Y, and Z. His daughter's hand in marriage, tax-free, this, or that, or that. And I suggested, you know, David, a lot of people said David did it just to do it. And I said, no, he gave his list of reasons. There was a blessing coming if he, if he went out and took down the giant. Now, he gave his reasons. The, the, God, the God that he serves was able to take out the lion and the tiger I mean, you know, he took out the, the bear and the lion. Um, he says, and, and this uncircumcised Philistine would be no different. So God had given them the victory over the, the lion and the bear. But the reasons he did it, in my opinion, was because something was going to, he was going to benefit from it. There is a benefit for following the Lord. Amen? Amen? There is a blessing for following him. God's ways are better than my ways. And when he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems in this world. We will. You will have less problems. Let me say this this, this way. Um, following after the things of the Lord and in the end seeking his blessings for your life than just following the world. I, I promise you. And trust me, as a pastor, I get to deal with all sorts of foolishness that people get themselves caught up in in this world. I can say confidently, following God is better. Amen? Amen. And so with that said, as we come to a close and before we take communion, the Bible says as we take communion, he calls us to examine our hearts to see if we are in the faith. And so as we come before this table, this communion table today. Are you actively pursuing the Lord? Are you presenting to him a heart that is receptive? Or is it shallow? Is it rocky? Is it distracted? And if your heart is to present to him a, one that's receptive, I invite you to say a prayer with me today and getting right uh, relationship with him because he wants to heal us all. We want to bow our heads and close our eyes and say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge my need for a Savior. I want to present to you a, a heart that receives your word so that it can produce 30, 60, 100 fold. Forgive me in the areas where I've been distracted. Forgive me in the areas where I've been um, just caught up in things that in the end doesn't matter. I look to you and your son Jesus and what he did on the cross 
even as Isaiah saw it hundreds of years before, I look to what happened on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you that you didn't die for your own sins. You had none. You died for my sins and the, and the sins of the world. And so, Father, I ask you to forgive me, to come into my life, to come into my heart. From this day forward, I surrender all. Someone say it out loud with me. I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender all to you, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, and with your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.